things. But this globe had not seen judgment yet, or what has happened up till this day. I am speaking today on the 4th of October, 2015. That the shaking the world had seen before this day is child's play. The world will begin to happen on earth from this month forward. And because the enemy is going to cause a lot of devastation, that is the reason why God releases holy angels to strengthen his people, to support his people, to rescue his people, and also to form a military that will reach the world now and get many who are still outside the camp of Christ into salvation. And because of that, therefore, I feel it's expedient for me to start to teach you about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> because the Bible tells in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1, it says, In the last days many will abandon the faith, they will follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. And we understand by the report of Jesus Christ in the book of Matthew chapter 24, Jesus says that from verse 4, that when they ask him what will be the sign of his coming, he says that there will be, watch out that you are not deceived. He says, watch out that you are not deceived, because many will come in my name, and they will deceive many. So we understand the fact, therefore, that the greatest thing of Satan in this very time is the deception of the saints of God. And because of that, this is a time that Christians must be very, very careful. <coughs> Especially because that Romans 1 4 says that with deception on the pulpit, in other words, people will become. You know, the pulpit of God will be contaminated. Many people will come in the name of God's ministers only to mislead God's people. We understand the fact that this prophecy had never happened fully until this time that you and I live upon the earth. Over the past few years, the church of God had gone through several errors and several waves of doctrine and teachings. That is misleading or are misleading. Of course, in the book of Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 says, But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. Underline the word unholy. Without love, unforgiving, slanderous, self, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having, having a form of godliness, power, its power, have nothing to do with them, the Bible says. And then the Bible continues to say about these people in verse 6. It says they are the kind who warm their ways into homes and gain control over weak-willed women. So we recognize by that prophecy that there will be a lot of adultery in the church of God towards the end time. And today we have had all these things happening. Men who in the name of minister pray on weak-willed women in churches. 
and then get many into the sin of adultery. We have even heard that some people are teaching today that Christians can divorce and have, or no, Christians can have many wives. That is one principle. And they are quoting, David had many wives, Solomon had many wives, so they believe that Christians can have many wives. And some of them have started to do that. Some are quoting that Solomon committed adultery, David committed adultery, so Christians are permitted to commit adultery, and they are living in that. What I want to confront today and begin to teach you, in this season I'll be teaching for three months about the coming of the Lord. And I don't know whether I'll finish it in three months. This is October, November, December. If I do not finish it, I will continue to teach about the coming of the Lord until I fully exhaust it. So that those who listen to me will not perish. And those who listen to me can be prepared for the return of Jesus Christ. He is coming soon. I believe that Jesus will come in my lifetime. I believe it so much. Why do I believe it? One day Jesus appeared to me and took me out of my body and took me to heaven. I wrote all this in the book I wrote on my encounters with the Lord Jesus and his holy angels. And when that angel took me to heaven at the time, and the Lord received me and took me to my house, he said to me, I asked for you on this time to show you your mansion. And he took me to my mansion. And I walked into my mansion with some entourage. I don't know who they are. And then we were going, walking around the mansion, and I saw an angel at the door. So when we were coming in, the angel was singing, and then we went throughout the whole place, showed me various parts of it. And then <clears throat> when we came back, came out, the angel was still singing, and I asked the Lord Jesus, why is this angel singing in my house? And the Lord Jesus said to me, because you love to praise me and dance before me on earth. So I positioned an angel who will worship me and sing to your hearing. And then he took me out of the place and showed me a few places in heaven. And then he said, good day. And I came back to this world. Heaven is more real than your earth is. There are many things in heaven, in the area of structures, in the area of construction, that has not been discovered in the earthly region. And I talked from the perspective of an engineer who is very experienced in construction. Now I say this to you, therefore, As he has spoken and I revealed, I do not believe I would die before his return. And I don't think I'm going to live up to 100 years in this world. Really, I don't expect to live 90 years. So it means that the Lord Jesus may come any minute from now. This is the reason why I have to address issues of errors in the church and help you know the balance. And then I will now start teaching you about the reality of hell and the reality of heaven and help you understand the balance. The first thing I will say to you in this lecture as we go on this journey, do not believe any man of God unless you can read what he's saying verbatim in the scripture. If any man of God under any title or any followership under heaven says anything that the scripture does not say, let him be a cause, says Paul. One of the doctrines that have been watered down is the doctrine of grace. <clears throat> we have looked at errors in doctrine of deliverance, 
Why deliverance is authentic word of the scripture. The interpretation of it by many people is erroneous. Also the application of it by many people is erroneous. Why deliverance is referred to as God's intervention to rescue a man from the dominion of Satan, either under sickness, under habits, and wherever. When God rescues a man from the dominion of slavery or the devil, that is called deliverance. <coughs> or if the person is possessed, we understand the fact that the process of it was established by Jesus and followed by the disciples. The Bible says, Jesus said, if I cast out demon with the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So we believe in casting out demons, but we do not believe in conducting deliverance. To cast out demons is to command an evil spirit and it leaves instantly. But if you have to pray for days over a possessed person, I have no justification for that in the scripture. Except in one scripture, the book of Mark chapter 9, where a boy was brought to the disciples. And they prayed several hours, and the boy was manifesting rolling on the floor, but was not delivered. And when Jesus came to the scene in verse 19, he says, How long shall I put up with you, you men, you unbelieving generation? So we understand from the evidence of that, that the reason why people can pray over a demon possessed for a long time, without getting instant result, is unbelief. And we also have knowledge of the truth that if anybody has faith in the name of Jesus, you should command an evil spirit will leave instantly. So if you command an evil spirit does not leave, it is not the problem of the evil spirit or the one who is possessed. It is the problem of the one who spoke, who want to administer deliverance. So I believe very much that believers on earth today need to have understanding of the balance. Another thing in that chapter, 20, chapter, chapter 9 of Mark is that when you read that scripture further down, the man, Jesus came to the scene and and rebuke the disciples for unbelief. But when you read it further down, the Bible says, the man came to Jesus and said, if you can't do anything at all, please help my son. And Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible for those who believe. So we understand the fact that faith in the name of Jesus is the credentials to be qualified to operate in the power of the Most High. There are many references to that, but I'm not teaching about that this morning. But if we look further down, when the disciples now went to Jesus after casting out the demons, Jesus said to them from verse 24, that this kind of spirit cannot go out except by fasting and prayer. So we understand the principle, two principles there, one, three principles. Number one, unbelief weakens the prayer of man or the authority of man to cast out devils. Second thing is that faith in the name of Jesus Christ will, will energize your authority to cast out devils, and fasting and prayer. Don't worry about some people who say that Christians should not fast. If a person says Christians should not fast, he's an antichrist. Because Jesus said that after the bridegroom, bride, bridegroom have been taken away, then they will fast. And then the Bible tells in the book of Acts chapter 13, verse 1, in the church of Antioch were prophets and teachers, while they were fasting and they were praying, they were fasting and worshipping. The Holy Ghost says, separate for me Paul and Barnabas. Correct? And if you read verse 4, verse 4, it says, after they have fasted, they prayed and lay hands on them. These are the people that we took the gospel from. They fasted and prayed. If you look at the book of Acts chapter 9, 
I'm not teaching that today. I don't know why I'm talking about that really. Maybe some people need to hear me on television. When the Lord appeared to, Peter, uh, to Paul, for three days he was fasting without food and water. And the Bible says that God, the Lord Jesus appeared to Ananias and said to Ananias, go to this house, you know, of, of, or, you know in the road called street and you will meet uh, a Paul, you know, in the house of Simon the Tanner. And he said he was waiting for you. And when Ananias got to him, he lay hands on him and says that even the Jesus Christ who has sent me to lay hands on you and pray with you. Instantly, scape fell out of his, of his eyes. But it began by three days of fasting without food and water. If you look at the evidence of the scriptures, anybody who operates in the power of God must fast. And so if you have been taught that you should not fast, whoever taught you is an antichrist. An antichrist spirit spoke through them. Because an antichrist spirit will, will speak anything contrary to what Jesus has taught. And Paul said to us that the antichrist spirit is at work now. Even from the time of Thessalonians and also Peter. But this you understand is a very subtle teaching about grace. And I will title that script, that, that message, Don't Take the Grace of God for Granted. Don't Take the Grace of God for Granted. What is grace? Ephesians chapter 2 verse 5. Really, when I read the Ephesians, I love to read the Ephesians chapter 2. From verse 1, it will help us to understand grace very, very well. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Let me say to you, I have right before me NIV version, which is my own favorite version, regardless of what some people ignorantly say. And I have my original King James Version. So that people who have no understanding and who have the stigma or have been stigmatized about version, I can communicate to them. I believe in NIV Version and I love NIV Version because it doesn't leave you with any confusion in the use of grammar and also sentences. It says in verse 1, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live, when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. I want us to follow the scriptures verse by verse and understand the evidences that is brought from every verse. I will put the whole evidence together to form an opinion. Now the first thing here is that the Bible says that those of us who are born again at one time, we used to be in the world, which is correct. But when we were in the world, the Bible helped us to know that we were under a particular rulership. And it calls it the spirit of the air, which is the devil. Alright? And it says also, number three, that the devil, that spirit, is the one that works in anybody who is not born again. It doesn't matter what you call your name, whether you are Muslim, you are uh, an atheist, you are... You know, a witch or a wizard or whatever, anything you call your name. If you are not born again, you are under the influence of Satan. Now then, he says that that is the influence that causes man to disobey God. So that somebody who is not born again cannot help himself. Without Christ in the life of a man, you are totally helpless. 
Sometimes you will behave the way you, you think, and some other time you will behave the way you don't really think. There is a power called the prince of the air, which is Lucifer, who forces those who are not born again to do things that are disobedient to God. And this is the reason why people who are not born again, in those days who are not born again, we have some attitudes, some of us, and we couldn't stop it, though we know those attitudes is destroying and killing us. Alright? Now verse 3 says, All of us also lived among them as at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following his desires and thoughts. Now that gave us some two facts there, that when we were in the world, we followed our craving and our thoughts. That is, we did what we like. Anything that comes to your mind, you just do. So, there are two things that is responsible for this. One is your flesh. And second is your mind, which is always invaded by Lucifer. Now, what is the result of it? It says, gratifying the cravings of a sinful nature and following his desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were what? By nature, object of what? Wrath. Let me read the King James Version. Among them, among who also, we all had our com- com- a conversation in times past in the loss of our flesh, fulfilling the desire of the flesh and of the mind. That whatever is whatever we think is what we do, and we go after loss. And we are by nature children of wrath. By nature, children of wrath. Now let me say this to you. In this very at this very point, we understand the fact that anybody who works like the world do is an object of wrath. Do you believe that? Say amen. Come on now, talk to me. So if you do, if you live like the world live, you are an object of wrath. The new teaching of grace speaks contrary. That is the error in that teaching. That teaching is saying to you that once you have been saved, you can never miss heaven. I will show you by the evidence of the scripture that they are liars who say that. They believe that once you have been saved, you can do anything, it doesn't matter. Grace covers multitude of sin. And they misapply that. But here we know from the evidence of the scripture that if anybody leave obeying his flesh, lust of his flesh, and obeying the prince of the air, he is an object of wrath. Say amen. I can't hear amen here. Is this cathedral? All right, I know you are good listeners. Now, if we read that to the to the four, which means that from from one to this point, we recognize that a man who is not born again cannot help himself. Yes, this is why grace is needed. Grace is God's endowment upon man to fulfill God's intention in the life of man. God's endowment upon a man. To fulfill God's intention. So when the grace of healing come upon you, is the intention of God to use you for healing. When the grace of prophecy come upon you, is the intention of God to speak through your lips. It is God's intention, the endowment of God, that will cause a man to just operate what God wants. If God wants you to be a rich man, he puts the grace upon you. When it comes upon you, you just fulfill that destiny. So the grace of God is God's own endowment upon man to just fulfill God's own intention. Well... We call it unmerited favor. Now, if you look at that understanding, it means that the determination of God's grace is only determined by God alone. Yes, that's correct. 
It means that we have no, nothing to do in, in God's intention to determine grace. Yes? I haven't had more than two hours sleep in the last for 24 hours. But no problem. Grace is sufficient for me. We are talking about grace. So, now understand grace therefore. The one who gave us the grace is God. The, when he decides to give you a particular grace, is his own decision. You have no part in it. <clears throat> that is correct. Everybody must settle in this. But I will show you where the digression comes. Alright? Let me ask you a question. If God gave someone the grace of healing, and that person is operating in healing, Can that person come to a time in his life that he cannot praise again? Have you seen people who got raised mightily and they did many miracles and now they can't do anything? Yes. Yes. If God gives you grace to be very, very rich, there are many people God give grace to be very rich, but they are poor. Romans chapter 12 covers it. There are people God gave grace to be to be the 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 the, the, the steering, to be on the steering wheel of a nation, but they never amount to anything in life. There are many people God gave grace to be highly intellectual, but they never went to school. So we understand the fact, therefore, that when God gives you grace, it's your own decision. But then you have to respond to grace. And this is where the error is. The error says, you don't need to. That's what the error says. Now let us examine the grace of salvation, therefore. It says in, in the next verse, But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in his mercy. <clears throat> so we recognize that mercy in the heart of God is what causes God to send grace. Made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgression, it is by grace that you have been saved. <clears throat> now, what does that mean? God decided to send salvation to us. God decided to give us the opportunity to be saved. God decided to locate us and save us. But if you look at the explanation of the scripture in Ephesians, it says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us in the right hand of God in the heavenly place. That's one of my favorite scriptures. In order that in the coming age he might show his incomparable great riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And that is the explanation of what I've been talking about, the grace of healing, the grace of prophecy and all stuff like that. I love verse 8. Shall we read verse 8 together, please? One, two, go. It is by grace that we have been saved through faith in the name of Jesus. And this is from God. It is the gift of God. And verse 9 says, not by works, so that no man can boast. So salvation 
Who did the work? Jesus. Who sent the grace? God. Who opened our eyes to know it? God. That's the reason why we will preach salvation in the midst of millions. Only those who God opened their eyes will accept Him. But who confessed Jesus? You. Not Holy Ghost. God stretched His hand to you and said, Son, come. Who respond? You. This is the area of error I want to understand. By faith. Who has that faith? You. Because others chose not to. But you chose to respond. Who is the one who helped you? Holy Spirit. But can he save you without responding? No. Because if he stretches out of salvation to you, if you say no, that's it. You perish. For God so loved the world, John 3.16, that he gave what? His only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not what? But underline, you understand, it says whosoever believes in him. The word whosoever means every human being under heaven. God did not love some people and hate other people. Somebody, some people have said that, well, God said, Jacob, I love Esau, I hate. Yeah, he's not talking about salvation, he's talking about conduct. For salvation, God said, John 3.16, for God so loved the world. That's why you cannot apply the word, Esau, I hate. Jacob, by love, does not apply to salvation because in the time of old, he said, I hate this one. I, in the time of old, he said, I love Israel. I hate all others. But in the time of salvation, he says, I love everybody. That is grace. Or else, people like myself and some of you whose father were devils will not have been saved. My father was a devil. God saved him before he died and he saved me. But my grandfather went to hell. Someone says, how did I know? Because the Bible says so. Oh, what about if you repent when he's dying? It's between him and God. But my, my Bible tells me, if anybody does not confess Jesus as his Lord and save him and receive him to his heart, he cannot enter heaven. Full stop. You, you may be anything or not. But what you need to understand is that the Bible says that grace of God is sent to the whole world, not to some people. No, not to some few people. It's sent to the whole world. That is the reason why you and I have to go out to the whole world. For God so loved the whole world and he gave Jesus his son to the whole world. And then he gave you an open invitation, whosoever among the world. And that's the reason why that scripture says for grace, verse 8, you have been saved through faith. So for you and I to qualify for the grace, we have to have faith in the name of Jesus. You must do something. is to believe in Him. Whosoever believe in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Excuse me. There are some people who believe that those who will be saved have been pre-programmed by God to be saved, and they are the only one who will save, then if that be the case, you don't need to preach the gospel. If that be the case, the evidence of the scripture before me, 
does not, you know, um, you know, it does not, it's not applicable to that. The evidence of the scripture says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him, that grace is for everybody, but somebody had to believe. Somebody had to put his faith in him. Look, let me say this to you. When they talk about Jesus, all of us before we were born again, we had the same kind of mind. How could it be only Jesus that is the way? Why not other ways? Do you know? And we all can agree because we love our evil ways. There are people who are saying that I don't want to be saved today because it's very, very hard to be a Christian. Two things I will clear in this lecture before I stop is the area of grace and law. And what grace and law means. And I'm going to stop. Then we'll carry on. But I need to help you understand that to say to me that people who have gone to be saved, God had programmed them to be saved and he programmed others to go to hell. The Bible never tells me that. The evidence of John says, God loved the whole world. He gave his only begotten son. That anybody is an open invitation. Believe in him. Look at the next verse of, 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 of John. He says, For God did not send his son to the world, that he may condemn the world. Is that, is that what you are saying on the board? But that the world, but to save the world through him. Give me the King James Version because of fundamentalists. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. He's not talking about some people in the world, but he's talking about everybody. But that the world through him might be saved. The whole world, not some people. Grace is open to everybody. Open to witches, open to wizards, open to gays and lesbians, open to everybody. But only those who respond and have faith that God is what he says he is and Jesus is what he says he is. Look, I want more lawyers to be teaching the word of God. Because law helps you think. In the law of evidence, you cannot just come out and give an opinion. It's impossible. Your opinion is useless unless it is based on a tangible evidence. When they say that before they commit, convict a person for a crime, he must have committed a crime or murder, take for instance, and they say that he must, he must be proven beyond all reasonable doubt, not beyond reasonable doubt, because there, is, there, are, there are doubts that are reasonable and you can reasonably doubt them. They said beyond all reasonable doubt. Now therefore, if all reasonable doubt is not presented as evidence and there is a little teeny weeny doubt, then it cannot be murder. You know, Christians read the Bible and people who, who have no knowledge and no contact with heaven, they just come out and begin to apply it wrongly. They just say anything they think about it. And that is what, unfortunately, if they are Crowd pullers, many people follow them to hell. I stand on earth today until the last drop of my blood shall go to the grave, if the Lord tarries. To help man and humanity to know the truth. Let us debate it. Let us argue it. Let us look at it in a foolish way and let us look at it from the foolish man, a foolish man point of view and let's look at it from intellectual point of view. The scripture tells me God loved the world and someone is telling me that no, 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 he loves some people in the world. That is a lie and heresy. There is no evidence in the Bible to say that. And it says further, God did not send his child to the world that he may condemn the world, but that the world may be saved through him. That is even more evidence that what I'm saying is the truth. Look at the next verse, and that seals up the evidence. What did he say? He says, he that believeth on him, come on, who, who will be saved? 
You read it together. Read it together. Read it together. This is the fundamental jurisprudence of God. Let me say something to you. If God said this and he did not mean it, then he's not a just God as far as the law is concerned. If the Bible says God said, whoever believed in him, it is your choice to believe. It is your choice to disbelieve. And this is where the choice of man comes into grace. Grace of God does not force the will of God upon man. The grace that saves us is the same grace that gives us gifts. If you see men of God used mightily and they operate in the mighty power of God all over the whole world and suddenly they drop only to be talkers. Okay? Because they, they committed adultery, because they eventually joined cults, because they threw their wife away, because they were committing adultery with another person, like I told the story of one during the week, and then sacked the wife and said, Holy Ghost said I should divorce my wife, and then presented the head of the, of the, of the singers and said, Holy Ghost said I should marry the head of the singers in the same church, and many people in that church remain in the church. Then you understand how degraded the, 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 the church of God is. Let me say this to you. The God of Jacob has not changed. He is a holy God and he commands everyone who serves him to be holy as the Father in heaven is holy. Without holiness, no man shall sight God. No man will enter heaven without holiness. Hebrews 12, 14. Now let me go on on this one. He says, let's read the John. He that believeth on him is not condemned. If that's the only word we have, it means he that does not believe is condemned. The basis of condemnation is belief. It's the same basis of, you know, um, either you are con- condemnation or you are validated and you are righteous. Believe. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Why? Because he had not believed in the name of the Holy Big One, begotten Son of God. Now, therefore, he means you and I. And if he is mentioned in the process of salvation and the grace of salvation, it means that the grace of salvation is a, is a two-party business. God offer, you accept. No acceptance, no contract. God did not force you to the kingdom. That is the reason why, because you accept by your own volition to the kingdom, that's the reason why you have to live by the rules of the kingdom. But the error of grace tells you that you have no business in it. God did everything for you. The Bible didn't tell me that. Go back to Ephesians. Therefore, we went into this from Ephesians chapter 6, chapter 2. Look at what the Father says. Okay, I have about 10 minutes to finish this lecture. Let's read verses again. Shall we want to go? Oh, this is cathedral. Yeah, international headquarters. Read now. Uh-huh. <coughs> So God raised us after we accepted Jesus Christ. Instantly you have a place in heaven. 
in the courtroom of heaven, in the boardroom, in the senate of heaven. Instantly, once you are born again, you have become a senator. The Bible says in the book of 5, five Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Tell me what it says. If a man be in Christ Jesus, is a new creation, all things have passed away, all things have become new, and then all this is from who? Come on, come on, come on, next verse. All this is from who? Who was? And then? This next verse says, who are you? Uh-huh. He didn't count your sins anymore. That's the grace. Yes? He's committed what to you? The message of reconciliation, then go to the next verse. Conclusion of the matter is, what is the conclusion of the matter? Or what is the effect of verses 19 to 20? You are now Christ's ambassadors. So therefore, if you go back to that Ephesians chapter 2, it says the moment you get born again, God raised you from the earth, you become an ambassador, a senate, senator in the senate of heaven. That's the reason why you and I can pray for people on earth in the name of Jesus, and heaven will answer what we have asked for. We shall say to the downcast, lift him up, and God will lift up the downcast. We shall say to the blind, see, whether he is born again or not, he shall see. We tell to the, to the lame, walk in the name of Jesus, either he is a witch or a wizard, he will walk. God will overlook what he is, and he will answer because a senator is speaking, an ambassador who represents heaven is declaring the will of heaven upon the earth. Listen to me, beloved. What a great grace. You must understand what the grace is so that you will not mess up the grace. That's why I spent time explaining the grace. You and I, who are red sinners, because we just say yes to God, not knowing fully what we are doing, but we just want Him. Anyway, recognize that we are sinners and we just say, Lord, you are inviting me. I will not say no today. I have said no to you all the time, but today I'm fed up. Just take my life. Someone say you don't give your life to Jesus. I don't believe that. Because Jesus said, I stand at the door of your heart and knock. If you open the door in Revelations, I and my Father will what? Come into you. Alright? To be born again means you gave your life to Jesus. Of course, Jesus died for us by giving his life to us. And he wants us to, to give our life to him so that we can trust him with our life. That is the scripture. If you don't give your life, you have your life. You walk in sin and die and go to hell. I will show you a few scriptures. Why do we have to live as aliens? Because we don't live anymore. We are dead with Christ. Romans 6, isn't it? So if we are dead with him, who owns our life? Jesus! Full stop. My own life is owned by Jesus. That's why I go to those who kill people. They can't kill me. If my life is with me, they will take it out of me. I don't go preach in hotels and uh, big, 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 big talk stuff. I go to the people who really serve the devil face to face. Handshake with them. Hold them and hug them with all their demonic power. And nothing could happen. I would listen to a man like that if I was a Christian. Listen to me. Ephesians 6. God raised me up. Somebody say God raised me up. 
Has seated me with Christ in the heavenly realm in Christ Jesus. Listen, therefore, I sit in the same place Jesus sits. What about you? I can't understand that. No, some of you are not convinced. I don't want to leave this pulpit. I told you they told me to be glued to the pulpit. I am bound. Bound. Let me set loose. I had enough of the pulpit. Let me give you more evidence that that scripture is true. You and Jesus Christ, you are the same. If you are born again. This is one of the scriptures. It tells you that God raised you up as well as He raised Jesus Christ up. And then He seated you in the heavenly realm as Jesus sits in the right hand of God. Okay? In Christ Jesus. Now, which means that we also are in the right hand of God in heaven. When you go there, you find me there. What about you? What about you? You must be convinced. You are there by grace. It's grace that takes you there. Though you may be on earth and feel you are nobody, but you are an ambassador by grace. Everything available to ambassador in the world more than that is available to you as a person. You don't need to be a pastor, an apostle, or prophet. You only need to be born again. Accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and decide to forget the world and put the world behind you. We had enough ministers and Christians disgracing God with ungodliness. He should stop now. I don't glory in work, but I glory in grace. But the grace of God has appeared unto all men, teaching us to put aside every ungodliness and live a righteous life. That is the grace I believe in, man. What about you? Come on now. I say you're an ambassador, and you're still looking at me. Look at you and Jesus are the same. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. What does he say? For those who what? Read it, read it, read it, cathedral way. So, God programmed that anybody who accepts Jesus will just become like Jesus. Yes? We change daily to the fullness of our senior brother. He says so that he may be the firstborn, that is the senior brother in the family, and we are the church of secondborn. That's the reason why those who do the redemption of firstborn sacrifice and offering their tools. The spirit of Antichrist. Any Christian who give offering of firstborn, you, are, you have been deceived, deluded by the, the, the spirit of Antichrist because Christians are not firstborn. There is no firstborn among you. You may be the firstborn of your mother from the day you got born again, that terminated. You have become the second born, the church of the second born. That's what Astrid tells me. You are second born in the family of God. So anything that has to do with firstborn is gone. God allowed that in the Old Testament to talk about Jesus Christ, the firstborn. That he will be sacrificed and he will be given. And once that firstborn has been given, no more firstborn. Others are the second born because he has become the senior brother. Romans 8 and I want to stop 10 minutes. Go back to Ephesians. We'll finish this Ephesians. So the Ephesians therefore says, 2 verse 7, 
In order that, why did he, why did God give us that, that title and the position? In order that the coming, in the coming ages, he might show the incomparably riches, comparable riches of his grace. Can you see that now? Say, grace work for me. Say, grace work for me. Grace save me. Grace lead me. Grace take me home. Now listen to this, therefore. It says, verse 8. Shall we read it together? Uh-huh. So if this is a gift of God, what does verse 9 say? Not by works, so that no man can boast. Now understand that work is not acceptance. If you are given an offer in a company, and you accepted the offer, you have not worked. At all. Is that work? Is that work? No. No. You haven't worked. And this is where people got it wrong. People who have done law will understand what I'm talking about. An offer and accepted. Now there's no work in it. It's just, you know, establishing contract. It's the contract that determines the work. After offer and acceptance and the contract is sealed, that's when the work begins. That's why Paul said, show me your faith and I will show you my works. Because the contract of salvation does not need work. It is by faith and grace. But when you are saved, Paul is saying that now you have to do work. Let everybody work out their work. Salvation with what? Great fear and trembling. Okay? And he says to you, in this kingdom, you show me your faith, I show you my work. Faith does, grace does not mean you are workless. You must work. Jesus says as time endures, we must do the work of the Father who sent us. And Jesus cannot get it wrong. But we do not work for salvation because it's an offer and an acceptance. But you must accept. And you may reject. God did not determine that. You determine it. And that is where grace, error, Begins. Now, no, 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 listen. Number 10 says, For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus so that, so to do, Jesus, to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, which means that the reason for the grace is to bring you into a place where you start doing good works. Amen, somebody. Am I talking some sense? We will reach heaven together. I want you to be very bold. You know, let me say this to you. You understand it too. If somebody says that this is my business, I own this business, it's because he's sure he's his own. When he found out a business that became a PLC and he's the CEO, gets to a point where they ask him that, who owns the business? He says, I don't even know. What do they say? The board members say that he has gone mentally like Steve Jobs. Imagine Steve Jobs just said that. They say, what about Apple? Apple. He said, Apple. What are you talking about? Apple? You mean Granny Smith or, or Williams Apple? I said, no. We are talking about Apple. Apple, Apple computer. He said, who owns it? Are you not Steve Jobs? Yes, I'm Steve Jobs. But Apple, who owns it? They will recommend him for injection straight away. 
you must be sure that you are sure that you are sure that you did not give your life to the devil you give it to Jesus Christ and he will keep it come on let me show you a few things more. now therefore I have explained to you grace a little bit and with several scriptures to establish the evidence that what I'm saying is true but let's see What's the purpose of grace there? For the grace of salvation. Number one, to save you. Number two, to teach you. And number three, to take you home. We look at the book of Titus chapter 2, verse 11. It says, For the grace of God <clears throat> that brings salvation has appeared unto all men. It teaches us to what? To do what? Let's read it together. It teaches us and, and to then come on now. In England, it doesn't matter what culture goes on in England, I stand out. It doesn't matter whether I'm a youth or I'm an old, I stand out. Youth have their own culture and customs. All have their custom, but when I get born again, disconnected from it. I can't behave like they behave anymore because the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto us to teach us to say no. It teaches us to say no, but it gives you the volition to decide to say yes or no from godly passion. Let me say something to you. Josiah was eight when he became king. God's divine mandate. Uzziah was 16 when he became king. God's divine mandate. Samuel was 13 when he had audible voice of God. Alright? Jeremiah was 17. Those of you who call yourself 10, 10, 10, listen to me. And you who are less than 10, listen to me. In this church, I don't take you different from the adults. Because a teenager, teenagers in the Bible had God's audible voice. Eh? The one younger in my house is the first thing you must know. But if you want me to go further, a man of 80, Moses, was called at 80. If you say I'm too old, and he walked till he was 120. Still hearing God at 120. I thank God that none of you is 120. I can give you many more. So you have no excuse not to hear God. The common thing with all these people who had God was that they had an instructor who instructed them in godliness. Uzziah, Josiah, mentioned them. They had an instructor who instructed them in godliness. And the Bible says in that second Chronicles chapter 26, in verse 4, it says, as, as long as Uzziah, you know, sought God, God gave him what? Success. That's what I give to all of you youths in, in CFT. You know, I'm having my comfort now because you are succeeding. In five years' time, when I hang too well, I can be happy. I will not be having a bunch of 30s and 40s who are, who are frustrated souls. 
if you seek God, God will give you all success. You don't, find, you don't find success by going to parties every weekend. You don't find success by following the world pattern and doing what they are doing in this world. Most of them end up in prison. When people like you will judge you and put you in prison, you are supposed to be the judge. But if you, if you neglect the God of Israel and you neglect the counsel of holiness, how can you be? In your young age, when you know the truth, run with it. You will shorten the distance of sorrow and suffering. You will hasten pleasure and wealth. For God is faithful to those who are loyal and faithful to Him. To the wayward, it shall be wayward. To the upright, it shall be upright. Grace teaches you to say no to all ungodliness, not some ungodliness. Every evil thought that comes to your heart, Grace says, say no to it. What about if somebody is always falling into sin? You are not born again at all, really. And if you were, you have lost it. Grace can be lost. If it's a gift, every gift can be lost. That's why in your own era you had news of big ministers of God committing adultery. You know, adultery is the stupid, the most stupid sin a Christian can commit. Because it is the only sin that that, that has a longevity planning. You can't just be walking in the streets and fall into adultery. Is that possible? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not like you lie. Somebody puts you on the pressure and then you just lie. And then say, oh God, I lie, I'm sorry. You can't just like that be talking and then commit adultery. You have to program it. You have to conquer Jesus, conquer Holy Ghost and conquer the Father. God the Father. The three of them together. Because they'll be telling you, don't, don't, don't. And Satan is saying, go, do, do. And he say, don't, don't, don't. You come to church at that time, they'll be speaking about adultery only. You go to home group, they'll be speaking only about adultery. You go to the bus, somebody will stand up and say, do not commit adultery. And then he will sit down. Everywhere you go, God is saying that, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. It is poison, don't do it, don't do it. And then you will sit down. And Satan will say to you, that, what are you talking about? After all, David committed adultery. Uh, uh, but he won't tell you that he suffered. And then Solomon committed adultery. He won't tell you that he died in sorrow. He will be telling you that, you see, they are all men of God, isn't it? And he will tell you some men of God, even in your own time, who are living in adultery. You know, the issue is this. We should ask ourselves in the Pentecostal church. Adultery is not something they used to commit in the church Pentecostal I, I grew up in. For members. It is in your own time. Overseer, general overseer, bishops, archbishops commit adultery, live in adultery, and they are still retaining their office. In my own time, if a pastor fell once to adultery, he is removed for one and a half years, he will sit down in the church and be hearing the word as a member. They will disrobe him for one and a half years. Either it's the founder or they found him. It doesn't matter. Are you with me now? Is that very painful? It's because of all this useless teaching about grace that, that made people feel that God is not, is just, you know, a guy. You can just do whatever you like, man, you know. God is not like that. He's a holy God and he wants those who worship him to be holy. Someone said, can I be holy? Yes. Holiness is not perfection. It is a decision not to sin. That is holiness. That is holiness. It doesn't mean you don't make mistakes, but you don't, you don't plan to go and sin. When we're in the world, we plan sin. And when we finish it, we'll be, we'll be praising ourselves. I lied to him. 
what a fool he is. That is ungodliness. If a born again is doing that, eh? or you, you want to commit sin, you look all around that. Is there any member around? They are not around, you thought. And you want to commit the sin. Satan is the one who will set you up. He will set up a member to come and stand behind you. He will make you look around, you will not see him. And the moment you enter into it, the man will come and knock the door and say, Ah, oh boy, how are you now? <laughs> it happened to some ministers who fell. One of the ministers who fell in America was living in adultery for many years. To prostitute. He will finish preaching and power and he will go to prostitute. He will cry on the altar. People will get saved. But he will go to prostitute. And God left him for years warning him. And he took grace for granted. And then the devil who had been leading him to, to that because his intention is to destroy all what he had labored for. Arrange the press man. Eh? Made the woman to say it to the right press man. And the press man took camera and the devil said again. And he went and they filmed him from his hiding place into the prostitute, and as he was coming out, you know when Satan wants to nail you, he will make the prostitute and you hang yourself, that we are free in this habitat. And they filmed him. Then they brought it and showed him the thing. That was the end of him. Alright? He built skyscrapers. He lost everything. Because proverb tells you that adultery will make you lose everything, and if you don't stop it, you lose your life. Okay, so therefore, we are talking about grace, end of grace. Let's go to Romans chapter 6. Grace should not be taken for granted. I will stop. You know, because my time is gone. This I will just read to you and I will carry on. We will talk about grace should not be taken for granted. But let's see what it says. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? By no means we die to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Look at the King James Version. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? The word abound means remain. God forbid that is an abomination. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer? They are in. That's your King James Version. King James Version says, once you are born again, to go back to be sinning is forbidden. Alright? Some say that, well, yeah, you know, um, this, this scripture, they misunderstand that. Let me read it to you. Um, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. That is Galatians 2.20. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. King James I'm reading. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. But of course, some misunderstand that, that I, I'm not the one who lives, it's God living through me. Okay? That is correct. It is correct. But if God is living through a man, there is a condition. Can, if, 
Can a man that God is living in commit adultery? That's it. Can Holy Ghost lead you to commit adultery? Alright. And that's why grace teaching God error. Because they interpret that that God is the one who do everything through me. But the Bible didn't tell you that. It is correct that God lives in you. Okay? But it says, don't take my body to the place of sin. It is your decision to do that, not God's decision. Alright? Go back to your Ephesians and let's finish your Ephesians. I just... By no means we die to how can we live in it any longer. Verse 2. Alright? <laughs> Go to verse 6. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might what? Be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves what? To sin. Okay? Because you are born again, you are not supposed to live in sin anymore. Is that English simple? Go to verse 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. That tells me that you and I are the one who have a choice to obey or not to obey sin. It says, do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to who? To Baba God. As those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body as what? For sin shall not be your master because. So how do we know people who are not under the law? There are people who sin does not rule. That's what the Bible says. Let me read King James Version. For sin shall not have dominion over you. Yes. Because you are not under the law. Continues to sin is under the law. Anybody that does not continue to sin is under grace. So, if sin has dominion, that is, dominates, that is, rules, directs you, guides you, and you obey the desires of your dominion or dominance, then it means you are under the law. So therefore, what about somebody who has the grace of salvation? That tells me by evidence of common sense that the moment you change your dominion, you go out of grace. Do you agree with what I'm saying? <laughs> you go out of grace. You come under the law. That's the reason why AIDS can catch you. Gonorrhea can catch you. Syphilis can destroy you. What again, doctor, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. All these agents of Satan that trail after adultery and they are looking for someone to devour because you are no more under grace, you are now under law. And then all what God said in the book of Proverbs chapter 6 can begin to happen to you. He says you will lose your body, you will lose your health, you will lose your house, you will lose all what you work for 
And who can tell me that it's not so? When a man gets into adultery, it is a, an empty basket that will suck all your resources, suck up your valuable time. The time you should do good for your life, you are going to be wasting over a woman. That's why the book of uh, uh, Proverbs tells you, Lumel, in uh, 31 Proverbs, the mother said to the son, My son, do not waste your strength on women that waste life. Mommy will teach you about that at the end of this month. It is a pathway to death. It is a, an, a bottomless pit. It is a life waster. You will soon wake up to the consciousness that you will wasted the whole of your life by disobedience. So if you are under grace, you do not walk under dominion of sin. I think Ephesians chapter chapter. Chapter what, Papa? Chapter 5, verse 16. Let's look at what it says. And I stop. It says, No, no, no. Let me give you that. What I want to read to you is, yes, uh, okay, no, look at Galatians, really. That is where we're going to stop. Galatians chapter 5.16 It says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not what? Fulfill the laws of the flesh. This I say then, King James Version, walk in the Holy Ghost, and ye shall not fulfill the laws of flesh. So it means that anybody who fulfills the laws of flesh, you are no more walking in the Spirit. And the Bible says in the book of Romans, as many who are led by the Spirit are what? Hey, who? So, if I go and commit adultery, am I led by the Spirit? Therefore, what happened to my sonship at the time? I lost it. Huh? Look at what it goes on for that to say. Verse 17. For NIV. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. Let me read the King James Version. For the flesh lusted against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one, to one, uh, the one to the other, so that ye cannot do things that ye would, not what you think you do. You can't, once you are born again, you are no more yourself. Your own. You don't own yourself anymore. Isn't it? The Bible says so. So you can't just do what you think you can do. You should do. All those friends who take you to the place of sin, hammer them. When they knock your door, say that you are a devil. If you tell them that they will hate you, and it's better they hate you. Hmm? You don't want to put like that in your door anymore. Every minute you spend with them, you are wasting your life. If you have been doing a course or adding values to your academics, 
the time you are going from joint to joint, aimlessly, uselessly, you will have done better to your life. There are some of you, some among your friends, who that's what they are doing. In 10 years' time, may you not be the one who will say, yes sir, yes sir, to the one who you are, you are, you are missed to. Because your livelihood is in his hand. That is what sin makes you. It says further, verse 19, the acts of sinful nature is what? Are obvious. Let's read verse 19 together. Number one. Stop. Let me ask you a question. Between a witch and a sexually immoral, who is better? A witch is better. No, 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 no. Let me show you order of precedence. Are you together now? These are annotated precedents. Now it says, what I was doing this is very interesting. It says, the act of sinful nature are obvious. Number one, sexual immorality. Number two, impurity. Number three, the boundary. Let's look at the King James Version. Now the works of flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lavishness, idolatry. Idolatry is number five. An idol worshiper is better than a Christian living in adultery. That's what God is saying. If they give you the order of precedence in, in law, it has to be according to the gravity and weight. So, murder is the most grievous. But, next to it, manslaughter. Alright. Next to it, insanity. Hmm. If you are claiming that you didn't murder based on insanity, angry, then they take you to the mental home. Hello? But murder in Texas, they kill you. Manslaughter, maybe they give you life sentence. But the third one that looks like it is that I'm not really, I, I killed him, but I was mad. Then they send you to mental home. Now listen to me, therefore, the Bible says the most grievous in order of precedence Adultery. The next one, fornication. The next one, uncleanliness. Homosexuality and all this stuff. The other one, lavishness. Then idol worshipping. And then witchcraft. And then hatred. And then variance. And then emulation. Then rot. Then strive. Then sedition and heresies. Everything. No. <laughs> Envying, murder, drunkenness, revealing, and such like. Even adultery takes preeminence over murder. Do you know why? The Bible says all the sins are outside the body, but the sin of adultery is in the body. If you destroy your body, my body, I destroy you on the last days, the Bible says you're not coming to me. Okay. But then, Someone say, what are you talking about? It's not for Christians. Look <laughs> what it says. Shall we read verse, 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 verse 21? An envy, 
Eh? Read the King James Version. Envying, murders, drunkenness, rebelling, and such like. Of I, 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 I. So what about the born again who are living in adultery? They will not inherit the kingdom of God. You can lose grace. Don't let Satan deceive you. You can lose grace. What about Christians who are very, very worldly? Ah, you lose heaven. No? Because God warned Israel, said, the country I'm taking you to, because of their behavior, I curse the ground and destroy them. He said, when you get to that place, do not follow their detestable practice. The Bible says to you in the New Testament, do not be conformed to the world any longer, but be it transformed by the renewal of your mind. If you are a Christian and you are behaving like the world, you are just a dummy. Zombie. Or zombie. To be English. Zombie. Move. Not a zombie. And if they say move, and there is a ditch there, he will keep on moving until he just into the ditch. That is zombie. A Christian must dictate fashion in the world. A Christian must dictate how to speak in the world. A Christian must dictate what is exciting. A young boy in this church of 13 wrote me a letter I just read it before I came. He told me that in his school, they are telling him that homosexuality is the right way. And he says to them, that is a sin. It is sodomy. And he says that my teachers hate me. I'm following him to the teachers. Ah, in England, we dig it out. No school has right to teach any child against his conscience and his religious belief. No authority has such rights. It is an infringement, direct infringement of his fundamental human rights. And nobody has the right to hate him for such also. For believing what his, his religious, religion believes. I will go there. They will smell pepper. But for you, let's do good to God. Don't let's make God unhappy. If he paid with his life for you and I to be saved, and he gave us free will of salvation, then we only need to keep it and impress him, just like your father. Not disgrace him. Anywhere you know he will not like to go. Don't go, because he will follow you. He lives inside you. And that is a person that is born again. Let's stand up on our feet. We're going to pray. I want us to pray for ourselves and for all Christians all over the world. That God will grant us grace to obey the word. Begin to pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, grant me the grace to obey the word. Grant me the grace to follow you. Grant me the grace to serve you. In this time that all manners of doctrines are flying about, help me to know the truth. Help me to read the word of God with knowledge, with insights. Pray, do not allow the devil to waste my life. Any longer. Help me not to make Satan happy. It is righteousness that exalts nation. When a child follows the path of righteousness, God is happy. When a child derogates from that, derogates from that, and going to evil, God is unhappy. Tell God, give me the grace to make you happy all the time. 
Give me the grace to submit to you all the time. Give me the grace to satisfy you all the time. So that I can enjoy your presence. And I can enjoy your glory. And I can enjoy your mercy. The mercy of God is better than the blessings of man. Lord, we pray for ourselves. Help us to stand in these days. Jesus said when the Son of Man will come, will he find faith anymore? That's the Christian faith. Will he find men who are after holiness? The Bible says, be at peace with all men and be holy. Without holiness, no one shall see God. He said, pursue righteousness, holiness, and peace. My Lord, I pray for everybody. In Jesus' anointed name, we are praying with thanksgiving. Lord, I pray for these people. What you have taught me has led me thus far. I will not take you lightly. Lord, in this journey that we have started, as I put this program on television, everyone who will hear it, let them hear you. There are many believers who have got rebellion in their hearts. Let these words that are spoken break rebellious hearts. Let it bring everyone who profess to follow Jesus to wholesome reasoning. So that Satan will lose control over us and we can be under the dominion of the Holy Spirit. That your name be glorified. Anyone sick listening to me, you are made whole. Anyone sick listening to me, you are made whole. I command the pain in your body to depart. I command your torn ligament to be mended. I command your back aches to vanish. I command the cataracts and glycomas in your eyes to be taken out. In the mighty name of Jesus, your invalidity is taken away. Your blood is healed. If you have any sickness that is genetically, you know, uh, you know, uh, 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 brought by by genetics or by by deformities from parents and stuff, I plug you to the roots of creation. I command your gene to be healed, Father. Thank you. For your son and your word. In Jesus anointed name we are praying. Close your eyes still. If anyone is here who has not accepted Jesus Christ. And you have been struggling in your spirit. When I was speaking. Fear is upon you. That am I really saved? And you want it? Lift up your right hand where you are. And I will pray with you. Let everyone pray now. Yes, just lift your hand up. I can see this hand. Any other person? Don't worry about anyone beside you. You make a decision once and go put that hand upon your chest. And say after me, Lord Jesus, I come to you this morning. I ask you.